0: Thank you, Connie. Good morning. Welcome to everyone here this morning at First Church, and we welcome all those that are listening on the radio. A few announcements this morning before we start worship. Uh, the red rose on the altar is in honor of Roger and Sandy Holcher, who are celebrating 51 years of marriage today. Happy anniversary to them. Senior high students, uh, your applications for student leadership team need to be turned in to Tory by Wednesday, October 3rd. We are halfway through the warm coat drive. Uh, We have until October 12th to bring them in, gently used our new coats. There's a barrel in the youth room where we can drop them off. And on that note, I'm not sure if anyone noticed or heard much in the paper, but the uh, director at Agape, Kathy Bayless, passed away uh, a week or so ago. Uh, We asked for the uh, board, asked for your prayers and guidance, and hopefully we can find somebody to that will do as good a job as Kathy did and replace her shortly. So just ask that you keep that in your prayers. If you would, uh, please stand, and we'll proceed with our call to worship, taken from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And Not turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. We'll continue to stand and sing our first hymn, number 342, Just As I Am. As we welcome the children to come forward for children's chat with Tori, please take a moment to greet your neighbors.
1: See it back. Come on, good morning. How are you guys
2: today? Good.
1: All right, what is our season?
2: What no, it is not summer. You might wish it was still summer so you didn't have to go to school. What season is it, Regan? Fall. Fall. What's or another autumn. word for fall? Autumn. autumn. Good job. All
1: right. Well, what usually comes out during the fall? Uh, Pumpkins. Pumpkins. And so pumpkin. me and Mrs. Lammers, or my mom, have <laughs> we have a pumpkin prayer for you all. All right. It starts like this. Dear God, as I carve my h- pumpkin, help me to say this prayer. Open my mind so I can learn about you. So first, you cut off the top of your pumpkin. Okay? Take away all
2: my sin and forgive me for the wrong things that I do. What is inside a pumpkin? Um, the seeds. Seeds. seeds and what else? Slime, yeah. And how does that feel? Did you ever get to touch that? look, look. That's a new word. I like that word. Yuck. It feels yucky. Does it? it's slimy? It's cold. It's slippery. And you know what? And do you know what that kind of represents? What's inside of us sometimes? Whenever we're not doing the right thing. Yep. Sometimes we choose not to do the right thing, and that's kind of what's inside of us. But don't worry we're gonna fix that
1: the next part is open my eyes so your love I will see so first I carved some hearts in my pumpkin and so that God opens our eyes to love and to love each other
2: I am sorry for turning up my nose to all you've given me so what is the nose in the shape of nope that's the mouth A cross, right so we are sorry for turning up our nose to all that God has given us, okay? Because Jesus died on the cross for us.
1: The next part is, open my ears so your word I will hear. Now, I didn't do a very good job, but the ears are supposed to look like Bibles, okay? <laughs> and so the best way to learn about Jesus is to open your Bible and start reading, Open my mouth so I can tell you others are near.
2: And so Tori cut a fish because Jesus told the disciples to go out and be fishers of men, to go out and share the word about Jesus to everyone. And so we need to go out and be disciples and fishers of men.
1: And the last step is to light a candle. Oops. And let your light shine in all I say and do. So then you put your candle in your pumpkin. And then you shine Jesus' light to everybody you see.
2: Alright, so we can't see our shining pump, our light because it's daytime and the lights are on in here. But if we were to put this outside in the, at night, that would glow and everybody would get to see all about Jesus and his love. Through our simple pumpkin prayer. All right. Now, we have a copy of our pumpkin prayer to pass out with you got to you guys as soon as we are done saying our prayer right now. So if you could bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the season of fall, the cooler temperatures, the harvest time, and all the fun things that happen in fall. Please be with us and help us to remember to let our light shine for everyone to see around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: There you go.
0: Lost in our service in the last week. Fort Carson, Colorado. Captain Daniel Chamberlain Lehman, 28, from Santa Fe, New Mexico and aboard the USS George H.W. Bush aviation bosun mate apprentice Joseph Min Naglak, 21, from
4: West Windsor, New Jersey. This time, before we go to the Lord in prayer together, let's stand and let's sing number 335, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Let's turn our eyes to Him this morning. seated. Father, we ask you at this time that you would help us to turn our eyes upon you, help our, the, the, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our minds to be focused on you in everything we do, Lord, um, as individuals, as, as disciples who are seeking to follow you, as a church, Lord, who, who desires to make an impact for your kingdom in this community and in this world. Help us as your body in this place. To have our eyes focused on you. I pray that all that we do here as a church uh, points people towards you. That includes our services here on Sunday mornings, but it also includes, Lord, uh, the way we live and the way the things that we do throughout the week. And so, Lord, I pray that all that we do as a church, uh, in all that we do as a church, that our focus would be on you. Uh, Lord, we also ask that as a as community, as, as a state, as a nation, as a world, that our our eyes would be focused on you. Lord, I pray that for those who don't know you, uh, that may be uh, listening in on the radio or otherwise, Lord, um, we have interactions with throughout the week. We pray that you would help draw them to yourself. We pray that your spirit would soften their hearts so that they would know you as well as Lord and Savior. Our Lord, we ask for our nation and our world that that we would have a, a hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Uh, Lord, we see the the reality and the consequence of sin and In in all of our lives. And so, Lord, uh, we live in a broken world. uh, And, Lord, I pray that your spirit would help heal it. I pray that your presence here in this world, Lord, uh, would would bring healing and reconciliation where it's needed. Uh, We pray for your will to be done and not our own. Uh, And, Lord, we ask that, that your goodness and your righteousness, your justice, your love, your mercy, would all be made known in and through your church around this world and in our communities. Uh, and in our society, we ask all these things. Uh, in addition to what is being uh, what is printed in our bulletin each week, uh, we lift up those concerns that are are represented there by the names and the situations. Um, Lord, we ask that Your will would be done. We pray for our uh, missionary partners that we are supporting this month, uh, the month of October coming up. We pray for the Ogles County Gideons. Um, as well as Shannon Rediger, who we got to see off, Lord, to India this past week. So we ask that your blessing and your provision would be with them as well as well as our many other uh, ministry partners and missionaries that we support as a church. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Christ and in his power and in his authority and not our own. We pray them pray as he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time as the choir blesses us with special music this morning. be seated. Our scripture reading today is from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'd encourage you to take out your Bibles or one of the pew Bibles that's provided for you there to follow along. Um, I know it's always a, it's a helpful thing to, to be able to not only hear the word, which is important, but but to follow along as well. Uh, some of you may be visual learners. I know I am at times, and so seeing those words in front of you can help that help those words stick and and follow you from this place and not just go in one ear and out the other. So following along can be a very helpful thing if you're able to do so. Um, since I'm doing the scripture, reading, I'm just going to expand it a little bit. Hope you guys don't mind. It's one verse there. Um, but I guess I'm preaching the sermon. So I get to do that if I want to, uh, we're going to pick up actually in verse two. So just a little bit, little, give you a little bit of context here. So first Samuel chapter seven, beginning in the middle of verse two it says, and all the people of Israel turned their back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Asherahs and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. And so the Israelites put away their Baals and the Asherahs and serve the Lord only. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that I have the opportunity once again, the privilege, Lord, to stand in front of your people, and to share a message that you've placed on my heart. I pray that you would help us all to to focus in now, set aside any distractions, and know, Lord, that um, that you have a message for us this morning. I pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds to what that message is. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. So this past week, I don't know, a lot of you probably here have iPhones, I know that. I do, and it's a very popular smartphone to have. Uh, they just released a new operating system, the iOS 12. And part of this upgrade is a new feature in their settings called uh, Screen Time, I believe. In it tracks whether you want it to or not, how often you're using your phone, and what apps that you're using your phone on. And it actually tracks it down to the minute. And it actually kind of scared me this morning, because it gave me a notification of a weekly summary, and I'm not even sure if I want to look at that. Um, but there's this new feature. Every time you open your phone, it will it, you can get a report and look to see what you're doing on your phone, how often you're using it, what kind of apps you're using it for. You can even set limits for yourself so that if you reach your time limit for the day, your app will literally shut down and you have to like manually go back through and unlock it. Um, and it's kind of a scary thing if you think about it. You know a lot of people have a hard time, and I am one of them at times. You know, putting down your phone, you, you, it's easy to just, when you got a moment to, for nothing else going on, to pick up your phone, to scroll through Facebook, check your email, uh, check ESPN, what the scores of the game are. Um, it's a very natural thing to do in uh, that new time tracker, that new screen time tracker, is uh, is an eye-opening experience the first time you look at it. And so as I as I looked at that for the first time this week, I realized, what would it be like to have that app for your life? What would it be like if you were able to pull up a daily or weekly or monthly summary of how you've been spending your time, not just on your phone, not just scrolling through Facebook, but but a weekly or daily summary of how you spend each moment of each day? That would be a scary thought, wouldn't it? It would probably amaze us. We'd probably be caught off guard about how much time we spend doing certain things that we didn't even realize how much time we spend at work, how much time we spend or how little time we spend sleeping, right? How much time we spend with our family or maybe how much time we spend doing things that aren't really of much importance at all. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, uh, the parable of the ten minas. This ruler went... It was going away, and so he, he, called te- he called some of his servants out and asked them and put them in charge over a certain amount of money. He gave them all the same amount. And when he returned, he, he asked them, called them forward to give an account of what they did with that money, what they did with those resources. And some of them put that money to use and were able to earn a return from it, and, and their, their master blessed them and praised them for their hard work. Some received more, some received a decent return, but there was one servant who didn't do anything with it. He took what he'd been given and and just held on to it, and uh, and when his servant returned, he cursed him for not doing anything with that that resource. And that parable, I think, has something to tell us beyond just what to do with money. I think it has something to tell us about how we use our time as well. You see, we've all been given the same amount of time in a day. No more, no less than anyone else. Now, we may have different responsibilities, of course. We may have different things we need to do with that time. Someone who has young kids running around has other responsibilities than a person who has an empty nest. A person who's still working a full-time job has different responsibilities than someone who finds themselves in retirement, of course. But we've all been given that same amount of time to accomplish those different responsibilities. And so the question is, what this parable is forcing us to think about is what are we going to do with that time? What are you doing with the time that God has given you each day? Are you using it wisely to accomplish you know, your, your various responsibilities to take care of those things that God has entrusted to you? Are you using it in, cor- in order to accomplish something for his kingdom? Or are you simply wasting it away on Facebook? Or other things, distractions, of course. See, I asked this question because today we're talking about how uh, another characteristic of a disciple is that a disciple is committed. We've talked about how a disciple is faithful, A disciple is authentic, and today we're going to talk about how a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is called to be committed to him. And so to be committed means that we have to first make ourselves available. Second, we have to commit ourselves to him. And third, we need to rearrange our life accordingly. See, being committed is really where the rubber hits the road when it comes to being a disciple. In, order, in other words, you have to practice what you preach like we talked about last week. Being faithful and authentic, in a sense, are internal qualities, right? You can, you can, on a surface level, be authentic and be faithful and not really change anything about who you are or what you're doing. Now, that's really hard to do, but on a very surface level, I suppose that's a possibility because those things are very internal to who you are. But if you have truly put your faith in Christ, if He's placed His Spirit within you and made you new, if, you've, if you are completely honest with God and with yourself and with others, then you will see changes in your life begin to take place. Your priorities will shift. Your commitment level will naturally rise as God does His work in you. And so today we're going to talk about what that looks like. See, that's the challenge that was presented here. Samuel is, is challenging God's people. This is in the early days of of Israel. They had been brought out of out of Egypt in the Exodus. They wander their forty years through the desert. They finally come into the land that God had given them, and you see that in the book of Joshua and Judges, uh, and Ruth, the the, the land being uh, the people settling in the land and the difficulties they they faced as part of that process. But here in First Samuel, we're seeing the beginning of the kingdom of Israel. Uh, Saul and David will soon be appointed the first two kings of Israel. And, and in this moment, Samuel is challenging God's people. He's saying, You have an option in front of you. You can go back and you can worship those other idols, you can worship those other gods. But you have a choice before you. You need to, if you can choose to do that, or you can choose to follow the Lord. And so he's challenging them to turn away from those things and turn back towards God. And that's what they did here. And so that's what we need to do today. We need to challenge ourselves to be committed. We need to challenge ourselves to turn away from those things that distract us. We need to turn away from those things that are going to hinder us in our relationship with God and make ourselves available and committed to the Lord. And so the first part of that is simply to make yourself available. You can't really commit to anything if you don't have the time for it. How many of you have ever, want, how many of you have ever wanted to do something right there's this new opportunity in front of you and and you look at your if you're honest with yourself if you don't if you're not someone who tends to overcommit you look at your calendar and you realize there's just no room for this new commitment we want to do things we want to be a part of different groups or have have take different classes or have different opportunities to do things like that but we simply don't have the time we're already committed we're already very busy and so we're not available for those other opportunities. We do the same thing, unfortunately, to God. We're so busy, we're so overcommitted in a sense that we, we push God off of our calendars and off of our to-do list in, in order to make room for other things. I believe I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Our Our calendars, and I'd even throw our checkbooks into this category, they're both theological documents. And what I mean by that is is if you want to know what you value, if you want to know where your priorities lie, all you have to do is examine how you spend your time and how you spend your money. Because that's going to give you a pretty clear indication of the things that you value in life. You're going to spend time doing the things you care about. You're going to spend your money on things that you value. And so your calendars and your checkbooks are pretty good indications of, of where your heart is. I talk a lot about stewardship at different times and, and we often pigeonhole stewardship to talk about our, our money, our checkbooks, how we spend our finances. But stewardship in a biblical sense is so much more than just uh, what the balance is in your checking account. Stewardship is about, uh, the, is a broader picture that incorporates our time as well. How you spend your time indicates whether or not you're being a good steward of the resource, that God, the resource of time that God has given you. It includes... How you spend your talent, what God has gifted you with, the, abil- the different abilities He's given you. Are you using them for your own benefit or are you using them for His kingdom? It includes your testimony, what God is doing in your life. That is something you can use and, 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 um, and, and share with others in order to make an impact for God's kingdom. And then, of course, finally, treasure, the one we always think about having to do with our finances. But God calls us to be good stewards of all of those things, our time, our talent, our testimony, and our treasure. And so we're going to be taking a look today about how we use our time and how we can be good stewards of that. The first thing you need to do is you need to, you need to make time for the things you care about. Allie and I had an opportunity just this weekend to go and visit friends at uh, Anderson University's homecoming. Uh, we hadn't been there in quite a while. That's where Allie and I went to school and we met. Um, and we made some friendships that have lasted for, for the years since. Uh, and so we had this opportunity, we heard about homecoming, and we thought, you know what, let's just do it. We're busy, we have probably a, a dozen other things we could be doing, uh, catching up on chores around the house, you know, it's just lots of stuff we could have found time to do. But we decided to go and and invest in those relationships and see our friends that we hadn't seen in quite a while. You know, we decided, we made that conscious decision to make time to do that. And it was it was a blessing. I'm tired this morning, <laughs> but it was a blessing to go and, and to spend time with them and to see, run into some people I hadn't seen since our days at college as well. And so if you value things like friendships, you'll make time for your friends. If you value your job, you're going to make time for your job to do it well. And if you value your relationship with God, if you value your, the commitment you've made to the Lord, then you're going to make time for that as well. And so we need to be, we need to first be willing to make time for God, but we also, uh, we, we need to make ourselves available to Him. We don't want to just wait to see if something better comes along, but we want to make that commitment and put it on the calendar. One of the struggles I had as a youth pastor for many years was finding leaders, adult leaders, that help make events possible. You know, we'd have planned different events, an all-nighter, summer camp, mission trip, these different things. And, and I would stand up in front of the church and say, listen, if we want these things to happen, we need adult volunteers to, to, to make it happen. Because I can't do it on my own. Allie and I can't do it on our own. We need other help. We need other support. Uh, the same is obviously true here. And I know Tori has talked about this this great start to the youth year and the, the involvement we've seen with, from adult leaders. So thank you and, and praise God for that. And so I'm not speaking directly to you today. I just want you all to know that. Uh, but I had some experiences with, as a youth pastor where, where I'd approach different people about helping out with these events, sometimes months in advance, and say, Can you help? Can you be a counselor at camp this year? Can you come along on the mission trip? Can you help at the all-nighter? And, and I, I try to do that as far enough ahead of time so we could, before they made other commitments. Whoa. And oftentimes the response in those cases was, yeah, I'd be glad to help as long as I'm available that day. As long as, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> as long as, uh, as long as nothing else comes up, I'd be glad to help. But do you see the problem with that, that attitude? They're not truly committing to anything. They're 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 keeping that commitment at an arm's length in, in case something better comes along. And so and so we we, we often do the same thing with God. We want to invest in our relationship with Him. We want to follow Him, we want to be committed, but we keep Him at an arm's length and says, Yeah, yeah, Lord, I'll spend time with you, I'll 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 go to church on Sundays, I'll get involved in Bible study, I'll spend time in prayer and Bible reading on my own, unless something better comes up. Unless I got something better to do but that's not how it works. We need to to be available. We need to make ourselves available to God if we're truly going to have that relationship with Him and follow Him. And availability, it really goes beyond simply just marking time on your calendar too. Availability includes a willingness to be used by God, not on our terms, but on His. His. We often find ourselves in a position going to the Lord and saying, God, I have a great idea if you would just sign off on this, right? I know exactly what's needed in this situation. I know how to answer this prayer, so I'm just coming to you to get your stamp of approval. But that that's not how God works, right? Instead, we need to be willing to come to the Lord and and say, not my will, but yours be done. Being available means being willing for God to have control over your life. Being available means being willing to be used by God, sometimes in ways that maybe pushes us out of our comfort zone and pushes us beyond what we think we're able to do. But God can do it in and through us when we make ourselves available to him. We need to allow him to use us as he sees fit. One thing I know I've, I've talked about with the elders at different times and, and I know it's a common conversation in the office is is making myself available for those unplanned visits or unplanned stops in the office by by some of you or other members of the community. You know, it can be really easy for me to just plan out my day and say I'm going to do this and this and this and just ignore who walks in the office on any given time. But those th- that would not be a, a good use of that time. I, I was reading a book once that talked about how those, those things in ministry, they're holy interruptions. They're things that are unplanned on my end, but God has ordained those moments and God has brought those opportunities uh, to light. And if I was unwilling to, to allow God to work in that, I'd be missing opportunities for ministry and missing opportunities to connect with some of you in ways that go beyond just me standing up here and preaching on Sunday mornings. And those times are valuable and those times are important. If I don't have that willing spirit that i 'm going to miss it in psalm fifty one we often think of this as a great prayer of confession. Uh, David had been caught in in the midst of adultery with Bathsheba and he uh, once confronted with what he'd done there's this great moment of of confession turning back to the Lord and we often think of psalm fifty one in that light as simply a prayer of confession, but it often it goes beyond just a I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And and it gives us a clear picture of what that willing spirit looks like. In Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, David writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I think that, that willing spirit, that phrase there, it refers to our willingness to allow God to work in our lives. In other words, making ourselves available for God to be present. Making ourselves available for God to work in and through us. That's the kind of uh, availability that I'm talking about here. And so in order to be a committed follower of Christ, we need to make ourselves available. And once we're available, then we can commit to the Lord and what his plans are for us. See, the problem though is that we often make our we often have comp, competitors, excuse me, uh, in that arena of life. There's a lot of things that come up and compete for our time and for our attention. And I could create a whole list here, but I want to just point out three kind of common things that I think we all struggle with. One is our self. We compete for that time. We compete for that loyalty, whether it's our own maybe desires or preferences. Maybe it's our our, our, our need to be in control of every moment of every a part of our day. But we are often competing with God for that aspect of our lives. A second thing that often competes for our loyalty is our busyness. Our calendars are just too full. As I mentioned before, we're overcommitted. And so there's simply no time to allow God to work. There's no room for him because we have pushed him out completely by, by keeping ourselves so busy. And third is, is often our cultural expectations, what it means to be, what it means to, to live. And, and, and a lot of times what God desires from us is going to go against the grain of what the culture says is normal and expected. And so in those moments, we have to make the decision, are we going to follow the leading of the culture? Are we going to follow society's expectations? Or are we going to submit ourselves to God and the authority of his word? And as I share these things, I I need to remind you, not everything is bad. Right? I'm not talking about abandoning every other commitment in your life and following God and him alone. What I'm encouraging us to do this morning is, is make God our first commitment above all other things. Because when we do that, everything else will fall in place. I will be a better employee. I will be a better boss at work if I'm committed to God first. I'll be a better husband and father and, and son if I'm committed to God first and allow that to influence and inform everything else I do. By making God first, all of our other priorities will then fall into place. And so we see, just for example, these three things that I listed. We have... We have a, um, promises in Scripture of what those look like. We often put ourselves before God, but Jesus tells us in Matthew 16 to take up our cross and follow Him. He calls us to deny ourselves, to put, our, put God above ourselves and follow Him, whatever that costs, whatever that means. In our busyness, in Luke chapter 10, We see the scene of, of Jesus at the home of Martha and Mary. Luke chapter ten verses thirty eight through forty two says Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell me to help. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. In other words, Martha was so busy and distracted by the things that needed to get done, right? All the distractions, all the busyness of life. And Jesus isn't saying forget about that stuff. He didn't say those things are bad or evil. He said in in the moment there's something that is more valuable than getting the dishes done, and that's spending time with the Lord. There's something more valuable than 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 finishing and folding and putting away all the laundry, and that's spending a little time with God that day. There's a sign that Ellie and I have seen at Hobby Lobby. Um, there's you know they have all the different wooden signs and things to decorate the house with, and it says uh, something along the lines of "Pardon the mess, but we live here." Um I thought that would be very appropriate uh for for our house, but probably many of yours as well, right? Uh we we try to put on this this, this show like we have this perfect put together home and, and we often uh make time for things uh to to kind of put keep up that persona, keep up that that appearance. Um, but we need to sometimes remind ourselves that it's okay to maybe leave the dishes in the sink. In order to t- spend time with God, we need to need to to be willing to allow some of those things to go in order to spend time with God. I'm not saying those things aren't important. We need to do those things, of course, but but at the cost of our relationship with the Lord, it's not worth it. And so, cultural expectations as well. Romans twelve, one and two. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In other words, we don't want the world to shape our priorities. We don't want the culture, the society to shape our priorities. We want God and his word to do so. And when we do that, again, other things will fall in place. See, idolatry has always been and always will be a struggle for God's people. Idolatry is simply putting something in God's place, putting something first in our lives where Christ deserves to be. And the reality is that we're made to worship. It's ingrained in us. And if it's not God that we're worshiping, we'll find something else, even ourselves so that's why you have passages like 1 Samuel 7, where Samuel's calling the people to turn away from their idols and turn towards God. you got passages like Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 15, uh, where Joshua stands before God's people and says, listen, you need to choose who you're going to worship. You can worship the gods of your ancestors across the river, or you can worship the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Passages like Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 where Moses is standing in front of the people and he says, you have a choice before you today. You have blessing, you have curses, you have life and you have death. Choose life. God's people always have that choice in front of them. And God encourages, and I encourage you to choose the Lord above all else. And the reason we need to do that is because God is a jealous God. You see, when you say yes to one thing, we're automatically saying no to everything else. That's what's so important about the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Saying I do to Allie on the day we were married meant I was saying I don't to every other woman. Right? That's the nature of commitments. It's an exclusive decision that you're making. By saying yes to Christ, we're saying no to any other gods that are competing for our attention. Because Jesus is not one of many gods competing for our attention. He is the one true God who deserves our complete loyalty. That's so why in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten, com- the, the ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse, five, excuse me, verse 4 says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth, or in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sin of their parents to the third or fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. See, God is a jealous God. Unlike us, God's jealousy is good and just. He has a claim on us as our creator and as our redeemer. And he is fully within his rights to be jealous for us. See, his jealousy is a good jealousy, is good jealousy because it's not selfish. God does not need us. I'm sorry to burst your bubble if, if you've thought that before, if you thought that God somehow needed you in order to keep this world spinning on its axis. But it's not true. God doesn't need any one of us. And he, but the reality is that we need Him. And He knows that. And so His jealousy, therefore, is born out of a desire to give us what is best for us Himself. God doesn't need us, but we need Him. And so His jealousy is a desire to bring us into a relationship with Him. His jealousy is a desire to see all those things that keep us from following after Him to be put aside so that we can know Him as our Lord and Savior. Commitment then is a surrender. It's giving ourselves over to God and being willing to be used by Him. So I've mentioned we need to make ourselves available. We need to commit ourselves then to the Lord and, and set aside anything else that distracts us. And so then finally we need to rearrange our lives accordingly. In other words, we need to get our priorities straight. Once We need to back up our commitment that we've made with spirit-empowered changes. And I say spirit-empowered because it's not something we can do on our own. We, have a, we often have a pull-ourselves-up-by-our-bootstraps kind of mentality, don't we? We think we can fix our own problems. We think we can, we can rearrange everything and, and do it all in our own power. But the reality is we need God's help. He needs to be the one to do it in us. See, the Holy Spirit is God's presence in this world, in our own lives, and it's through His presence that these changes make place. It's through His presence that God affects His purposes in this world. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was given to particular people at particular times for particular reasons, but in the New Testament, we see the Spirit is given to all believers. So if you put your faith in Christ, the Spirit is within you. And He wants to see spiritual fruit growing in your lives. See, fruit grows naturally. Plants don't have to like will themselves to grow fruit, right? That just happens naturally. But we can improve our garden, right? We can improve our garden by nurturing it and providing the best possible conditions for it to grow. So the same is true within our relationship with God. We can, we can nurture it. We can provide the right kind of environments by saying, by, by having our priorities straight and putting those things in order. And so I want to encourage you this morning not to fizzle out. Many of us struggle with following through with our commitments. And I think New Year's resolutions are a perfect example of that, right? Everybody's in the gym and eating right on January 1st. But by February 1st, not so much, right? We have a struggle following through. But I, and I, but I don't want that to be the same in our commitment with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul talks compares following Christ like running a race. He says, all people run the race to win the prize. Right? We all compete. We all train our bodies. We all do the right things in order to win or attempt to win. He says, in the same way, we don't want to disqualify ourselves. We, we train ourselves spiritually. We train ourselves in order to follow after Christ so that, so that by the end of the race, by the end of this life, we have not disqualified ourselves. And so in order to make your commitments last, I want to encourage you to do three things this morning. As we think about what it means to follow Christ, to make ourselves available to him, to be committed to him, um, here's three steps that we can take to make that happen. First of all, we can change up our routine. In other words, look at your calendar. Look how you're spending your day. Look at your screen time tracker of your life and see how you're spending your time and what changes you can make to make yourself more available to God. Maybe you realize you're spending a whole lot of time doing things that don't ultimately matter. Maybe there's opportunities there to to shake up your calendar in order to make time for God a priority in your life. Second thing is don't compromise yourself. In other words, say no to the things in your life that are keeping you from spending time with God. Say no to those things that are distracting you in your relationship with the Lord. For example... It would be awful advice to tell a, a recovering alcoholic to go spend some time in a bar, wouldn't it? It'd be awful advice to tell someone who struggles with their with eating to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? Because that's putting people in a situation that's not going to be successful for them, right? And so we, we often do the same thing with God. We, we, we want to follow him. We want to be committed to him. But we surround ourselves with things or with people or with situations that aren't pointing us to Christ. And so we need to set those things aside and, and make not only make time for him, but, but also maybe remove those things in our lives that are keeping us from Christ. So don't compromise yourself either. And the third thing, the final thing, is to get support. In other words, surround yourself with people to encourage you, to build you up and also to hold you accountable. I know for people that are in um, preparing or following through with weight loss surgery, one of the most important pieces of advice that doctors give is to be a part of a support group. Because those people that simply just go through the surgery and go back to life as usual will find themselves right back in the same situation within a period of time. But people who who surround themselves with support, people who surround themselves around that same journey where they can encourage each other and hold each other accountable are much more successful at keeping that weight off. And I would argue the same is true in our walk with Christ. If we are trying to do it on our own, if we don't surround ourselves with people to support us and encourage us, it's going to be really easy to fizzle out. But if we put ourselves in a situation where we're surrounded with brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm talking Sunday mornings, of course, but I'm also talking opportunities like Bible studies, Sunday school classes, where you're in a smaller setting where you can really get to know people and encourage people. Those opportunities will encourage you and strengthen you in your walk and will help you stay more committed. So think to this day how you're spending your time and are you making time for the Lord? When you do so, you'll find that God will, is willing and he's right there waiting to use you and to, to grow and develop you as a believer in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you meet us in those moments. Help us, Lord, to be committed, to be available to you. As followers of Christ, help us to make our lives about following you and rearrange our priorities, Lord, to make you number one. And as we do that, we pray, Lord, your spirit would fill us and use us for your purposes in this world. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and in closing, sing our final song, I Am dying, O Lord, number 358. able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace.